0: Welcome to Swing Left Nebraska. We are the regional chapter of Swing Left, 100% run by grassroots volunteers dedicated to fighting for a more equitable, inclusive, and prosperous Nebraska and motivating Democratic leaning voters to vote. When we don't vote, when we don't get engaged, get involved, or stand up for what we believe in, we're effectively giving up our power. Action is the antidote. When we collaborate, work together, support each other and our shared values, we can make our voices heard, make an impact, and inspire others to join the fight. Swing Left Nebraska offers you the information, actionable ideas, and tools you need to advocate for progressive legislation and to help elect Democratic candidates who will fight for the common good for all Nebraskans. Let's mobilize. Let's take action. Let's go. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today, first time and longtime listeners. I am grateful you are here. You could be doing so many things with your time, and you chose to spend it listening to a podcast dedicated to promoting progressive values and political action in Nebraska. I'm Leah. I'm a volunteer with Swing Left and your host. Our episodes are usually released on Sundays, but I'm going to be out of the country over the next few days. Don't you fear, Swing Left Nebraska is committed to providing you with the information you need to stay informed and engaged. We'll have a new episode for you on Thursday, May 19th and Tuesday, May 30th. To ensure you never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. On today's show, Cindy Maxwell-Ozdek joins us again to discuss several important topics. Firstly, we look into the tax cut bills proposed and supported by Governor Pillen. Additionally, we will chat about the voter ID bill compromise, which will clarify the types of IDs that will be accepted, how voter ID will be verified for mail-in ballots, and if there will be additional citizenship checks. Finally, we address an amendment that proposes an abortion ban after 12 weeks of pregnancy to LB 574, an existing bill that would ban gender-affirming care for minors. With so much to cover, let's do a show. Sydney, welcome back to the Swing Left Nebraska podcast. We are always thrilled to have you join us to help us unpack everything Unicameral. There is so much going on. So let's just jump right into the proposed tax cuts being trimmed. Legislators have modified two tax relief proposals backed by Governor Jim Pillen, which have received high praise for their transformative and historical impact. The proposals have advanced to the final stage of the debate. The governor's office predicts that the total tax cuts and increased state aid for schools will amount to approximately $6.4 billion in the next six years. However, according to the Open Sky Policy Institute's modeling, the state aid cap would cause 26 school districts to receive less funding than before. Among them, the most significant decreases would be experienced by three suburban Omaha districts, including Bennington, Gretna, and Elkhorn, which have been rapidly growing. So a lot going on there. And I know that you have a lot to say on this topic.
1: I, again, am so happy to talk with you. I appreciate you so much and how you're trying to help us all better understand what's happening at the legislature which it is a lot. There's so many varied topics that these senators are making decisions on that affect our lives and our livelihoods and our loved ones and taxes. What's the saying? Death and taxes. And I'm that person who really is intrigued and has always followed a lot of the tax policy debate. And on Thursday and Friday, these senators were talking about these bills. And I'm going to just talk about them more in general because they're all interrelated and some of them are just huge, quote-unquote, package bills. They keep saying package. They have lots of bills wrapped and rolled up into them, but there's some good. There's really some really good policy in some of these bills. The one that you were mentioning about the schools that are growing, it is something we need to make sure that we're not hamstringing these school districts. It's a good thing that they're growing. It means people are doing well in those. They're attracting people to move to that school area. And so we want to make sure that they can grow and meet the needs of all the students in their district. I think that they did work to alleviate some of those concerns for those growing districts. As far as for the rural districts, you know, there were app-eds written by previous senators who really specialized in appropriations and budgeting and tax policy for our state. And they're very concerned because the how they're put together needs to be readdressed in two years and trying to imagine what our economy is going to look like and the impact of how all these moving parts will be felt on not only our school districts, when you talk about agriculture and property taxes and people in urban and suburban regarding their property tax balance. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens if we pass these to final and they get signed by the governor in two years, we want to look back to what these debates were like and what actually happened. I think it'll be important to make sure that we keep an eye on this. Thursday was the final day of the session this week, and they were also changing policy regarding our corporate and individual income tax rates. I was in the char on my way to the legislature that day and was listening to debate. And I actually heard one of the senators comment something that made me optimistic. And I was listening to them say that these income tax rate cut would benefit all Nebraskans. And I got my hopes up. But it was going to be something that they were ranging so that every Nebraskan with their income tax would have a rate cut. And that's not true. Unfortunately, some of the senators are saying that the income tax rates reserved for the top brackets will still benefit people who are in the lower bracket or that people in the lower bracket will be benefited by property tax rate cuts or child credit programs. And that's not true. There's upper brackets and lower brackets regarding our income tax rates Not everyone in the lower brackets would either have property taxes and own a home or need child tax credit. They may not have children yet, let alone have children that are in the age where it would qualify them. So it was really disappointing to me because as someone who actually ran for legislature, I wanted to roll up my sleeves and work with the other senators to try to really help all Nebraskans. Do benefit from tax rate cuts. It's just, it's really hard for me to get excited about these tax cuts, which will benefit my family. But I feel like it's disappointing that I have neighbors who won't benefit. And this has been a conscious choice by the revenue committee and the sponsoring senators of these bills. And then now the ones that voted to advance it to the next round. I am curious. I talked to one of the senators in the hallway that afternoon, and I asked not percentage, but how many Nebraskans are in the entry level tax bracket? How many Nebraskans will not receive one bit of the benefit? The tax cut was reserved for the top brackets. And I just really get frustrated by that. And it's based on principle. What did the senator um, say? The senator I was talking to really just focused on how it would benefit people of a certain income amount. And right. that's true. And this person said something about, what do you mean the people who are in this certain don't have high taxes? I talked to a couple people that afternoon. I'm not voting any single senator, but one of them said something to the effect, there's not very many taxes at that bracket anyway. And The point that person was missing is that it is a bigger percentage of your pay that you would be paying in those taxes when you think of your total budget, right? Senator Breezy had been quoting some data. I actually called his office and left a message and his staff was so nice to email it to me. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but it's interesting to think about how when you do have tax cuts, And you imagine, okay, what's the benefit with the person who then has that still in their bank account or their pocket, so to speak, and what they do with it, right? The imagination is that everyone will invest it in the economy and it's going to benefit, you know, everyone all across the state. What happens though, and we saw this when Congress had during COVID, when there were people who were receiving actual checks when they had not been receiving tax returns. They opted to receive an actual check in advance. And those dollars went straight back into their local economies, as opposed to people in the top tier brackets that their investments may be in the markets or longer term type of vehicles, as opposed to food, gas, shoes, maintenance, car repairs, all mm-hmm. of those types of things that stimulate our local communities. And I just really wish that the senators would have done the hard work to include everybody in this X cut. Those are my two cents. <laughs> I guess it's the way to word it. Absolutely. The thing that I was reading in the Nebraska Examiner today is that unfortunately, the forecasting board had a little bit less rosy of a picture. with what we're looking at as far as how much the senators were going to be doing these cuts, and so it impacted the package, and they changed some of the amounts, but they also lowered or didn't offer as much of the child tax credit as what Senator Bostard originally proposed in his bill. And I don't have the specifics in front of me, but it just really is sad to me that we would not look at maybe other areas of that package as opposed to trying to help struggling young families with children in daycare. We have so many open positions in our state and young families and entry-level workers and people who have children in childcare. Those are the families that we should be focusing on. That's my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree. People who actually could use the extra money, I think, is where the focus should be. Nebraskans, that would really benefit from having the extra cash on
1: hand. Well, I know one of the policies was going to help with the actual daycare companies as well, which when you're talking about a formal like establishment with their own facility as opposed to maybe home-based care, I know that there are so many that know, they just can't keep up with the demand. It's a problem. And it's something that Senator Breezy had talked about as well on the floor of the legislature. And I hope they continue to work on this and come back next year with even more help for these families and their employers.
0: I agree. So that will be something that we will be keeping our eyes on. So let's move on to voter ID. What kind of updates do you have for us and what are your expectations as we move forward? with the voter ID bill.
1: I don't have any direct knowledge with updates about what the senators are thinking about the voter ID bill, but I know that it is a very awesome responsibility that they're grappling with. Really encourage your friends, neighbors, everybody to get in touch with your senator about this and let them know that we do not want to restrict People's voting rights. And we want to make sure that we're not creating unnecessary barriers to people having the ability to cast their ballot. And I know there's a lot of concern about older people, especially people in rural parts of the state who are in nursing homes, or some people are housebound. If they have a policy requiring either notary or witness signatures, that's going to be difficult for some people. And we want to make sure, too, that they don't add in unnecessary requirements regarding citizenship. That was not part of what voted on by Nebraskans. And when we register to vote, we do prove our citizenship. So voter ID ostensibly was to make sure that the person casting the ballot is the same person that was registered. Adding on unnecessary restrictions regarding reproving someone's citizenship, it's not workable. There are already so many DMVs. For example, when we're trying to talk about how people are going to be looking to get their IDs or get new IDs, the DMVs across the state, there were several that were closed for like up to five weeks just recently. We need to understand that there are open positions, not just in the business community across our state, but also within government. And so we want to make sure that we're not putting policies in place that can't be reasonably implemented. I hope that they roll up their sleeves and work on this so that it will be the best bill possible. I'm against the whole thing, but now that we have to do it, let's make sure that we do it the best way possible.
0: And is anything on the agenda for this upcoming week in regards to the voter ID bill?
1: We wouldn't know about the agenda until the night before, but that kind of leads us to the agenda, which is already out for Tuesday.
0: Yeah. After the failure of a bill that banned abortions around six weeks of pregnancy, Senator Ben Hansen of Blair introduced an amendment to the anti-trans legislative bill 574 that would ban abortions at 12 weeks past gestation and would change the details of the original bill. So, yes, this is all coming together on Tuesday evening is what they're telling us right
1: now. I just take a moment to take a deep breath before talking about this because it is disappointing. I know there are people who are still in shock about this. And I know that when I try to imagine the Nebraska legislature and how serious the responsibility our senators have to implement laws that impact all of our lives, the second house are all of us. And we are the watchful citizen. It is our place. It is our responsibility to make sure and hold our senators accountable and help them to craft this legislation. And there isn't even going to be a new hearing for this bill. So there won't be a hearing or an opportunity for Nebraskans to come and speak about this. And I'm very disappointed by that because I know we've had a lot of bills where There were lots of amendments, which were other bills. They were an actual bill that was attached as an amendment. And that's normal. You see a lot of kind of committee bills that have what they call Christmas tree amendments, where they have a lot of technical amendments or non-controversial bills included to move the committee's business forward. This is not that. Let's just be clear. This is not that. I know that Chairperson Hansen, he's the chair of the Health and Human Services Committee, has said that this bill has to do with health care and that's why it doesn't violate the single subject rule, but banning health care for only transgender children versus all children and banning abortion or restricting it further than it is today, but not in the same way that was introduced as LB 626, which did have a partial hearing. It's radical. This amendment is very radical. And I actually ran into Senator Hansen last week, the other day at the legislature. I happened to just run into him and he was really gracious to talk with me and spent a few minutes and answered some of my questions and I was really focused on the actual hearing aspect, hoping that he would reconsider and allow all of us the chance to really look at what he's proposed and how it would impact our state. And he said, no, (laughs) that's not going to happen. And one of the things he told me, as far as one of the reasons, is because there just isn't enough time. He mentioned that we are getting to the end of the session, we're running out of days, And there just wouldn't be time to hold a hearing and then be able to come back and debate this. Because when you have a hearing, there's a rule that it must be published a week in advance. So I told him that would be a reason we shouldn't do it then. Yeah. If there's not enough time to do this the right way, I think we should not do this at this time and do it the right way. Let's come back next session with more thought out and improved bill, if you want to put it that way. When I say improved, what I mean is it would be a bill that would have gone through the committee process and had really thoughtful input from all the senators on the committee and then go through a complete process through general file, which is eight hours of debate, then select, which is four hours of debate, and then final reading, which is two. That would also allow all of the senators to bring their amendments. But since we're doing this at the final reading stage, what happens is this amendment becomes the bill. It has to be voted to go back from final reading to select. It's a complicated process. It doesn't happen often. There's questions about how it will actually work. But one real Direct impact is that there will not be an opportunity for the extended debate that this deserves.
0: You're right. It is right that they yeah. changed the rules and then they are not allowing the time conveniently for Nebraskans to come and use their voices and push up against this.
1: When you talk about Nebraskans' voices, I did talk with Senator Hansen and show down the information I had compiled from the minority statements from 626 and 574. And I counted up all of the people who had come to testify. It includes proponents for each bill, as well as opponents for each bill, and all of the proponents and opponents who were denied an opportunity to testify because of the three hour arbitrary time limit. I added it all up and really just shocking to see the numbers in black and white. As the people that came to testify, 205 Nebraskans were able to testify. 533 were turned away.
0: That we're aware of because some people didn't sign in, correct?
1: Exactly. And that's what I told Chair Hansen, too. It's an undercount because I was there that night, both times, and I had seen people who left and didn't know they should have signed the sheet at the back of the hearing room. So... As the people that came that day and waited in line, and we were the hallway to know where are you going to sit? You don't want to lose your spot in line and go to the overflow room. And so people were like literally sitting on the floor for hours waiting to testify. And some didn't sign. When you think though of just the number of people that are recorded here, and I took these numbers from the minority statement, that's over 60% of Nebraskans who tried to testify that were turned away. Yeah. How many of them were experts in this area or had the medical expertise or the lived experience? People took time off work. They got babysitters and found a ride or carpooled or spent their money on gas instead of, I don't know, anything else to come and try to tell the senators how important this legislation was to their family and they were turned away. And when you look at the online comments for the record, a lot of times you'll listen to a hearing and they'll say there were three letters for the record as proponent and 10 were in opposition or sometimes there's not very many or any. But when you look at online comments for the record for both bills, I'm talking 626 and 574, proponents totaled 1,316 opponents were at least 1,825. When we looked at the hearing for 626, I couldn't hear what Chairperson Hansen had listed as the number of opponents that did online comments. I just couldn't clearly hear on video. So it was at least 900, but maybe more. This is something very important to so many Nebraskans and I really wished that they would have Taking the time to do this through the committee process and having full and really in depth debate.
0: It's important to get those numbers out there. So people mm-hmm. really do have a grasp and understanding of how our voices are being silenced in Nebraska. But it doesn't mean give up and it doesn't mean right. pound sand. It means let's just get louder and yes. come together and unify in this mission for a more equitable and just Nebraska. We can't give up.
1: And the recommendation, when I read something put out by the ACLU or from the Women's Fund or some of these organizations like Planned Parenthood, they are telling Nebraskans, this is critical. Everybody needs to call their senator, but also reach out to the other senators in the unit general. Talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors, talk to your coworkers. Everybody needs to be calling and emailing for Tuesday, but showing up in person as well.
0: You are suggesting that people come as early as possible on Tuesday, correct?
1: There is a bill on general file, which is LB727. Senator Linehan introduced it to change provisions relating to sales and use tax exemption on purchases by the state and other public entities. That is the bill on the agenda right away Tuesday morning. And then a lot of people are saying that the anticipation for LB 574 would be late afternoon, maybe five o'clock. But I think it'd be important, if possible, for everybody that can to come to the Capitol earlier in the day and try to talk with their senator. You can actually ask one of the sergeant-at-arms to ask your senator to come off the floor of the legislature and speak to you in the rotunda, it would be a good idea to just be there and visible in the balconies. There have been times this session where balconies have filled up and they were even not letting people on certain sides or position on a bill to go to opposing balconies, which is, I had never seen that before. So if you want to be in the balcony to observe this debate, I would be there early. And I just can't get out of my mind that Speaker Arch, within the last week or two, reordered the agenda. He actually skipped a bill and moved on to another one on the agenda, if you could, to be there as early as possible on Tuesday and be in the rotunda, possibly loud, if you'd like, talking with all of the senators and just really trying to let Nebraska have their voice be heard.
0: And seen the presence mm-hmm. of the bodies in the room and what that can show the senators that Nebraskans are paying attention and we're not going to go away. We're going to show up and make our voices heard and we're mm-hmm. going to be loud and we're going to express how we feel and push back against these egregious bills and this egregious rule that they changed because they just felt like they could and they could. So they did.
1: The thing some people are uh, recommending, if you have a green shirt, which, you know, is symbolic regarding choice and abortion rights, or when you think of trans rights and people have either blue or pink shirts, there's some solidarity in dressing that way if you want. You can bring a sign, but please make sure that you are aware of the size that's allowed inside the Capitol. They have restrictions that you'd not have it on a, like a steak or a king. And you can't bring a sign into the gallery. So those are some of the things to just keep in mind.
0: So yes, do plan to go down Tuesday if you can. They are telling people to show up by five. Rallies are taking places at six. But like Sydney said, if you are able to get down earlier, that would be advised. I wanted to make sure we touched on some information that you had about how these bills are impacting the businesses in Mm -hmm. Nebraska and specifically the Omaha chamber. You had some information you'd like to share on that.
1: I was floored over the last week to see so many senators disregard the business community who sent like a joint letter signed by X number of companies. Then there was another one that's national organizations including Nebraska-based businesses trying to let the senators know that this extreme legislation is not good for our state, it's not good for our economy, it's not good for business. And they're wanting the unicameral to focus on inclusive legislation. And the Omaha Chamber of Commerce actually also made a statement and said on behalf of their businesses that we want to make sure that we're not putting policies in place that are exclusionary. It's over 3,000 member businesses. These are not all large companies. Some of these companies, you know, ones we all are very familiar with, like Union Pacific and some of the big banks or construction companies and things like that. But most businesses in Nebraska and the ones that really do drive our economy are small businesses. And over 3,000 member businesses in the Omaha Chamber of Commerce were represented when they came forward and said, don't do extreme legislation. I wish the Senators would listen, because not only when we talk about member businesses and their positions, it's the employees as well. And our livelihoods are all tied up in this. I hope that they will take a step back and truly listen. And I know a lot of people are really curious about what's in the bill, because this amendment has components as LB 626 and... Added onto a different version of LB 574. Some of the changes on LB 626 that are different from Senator Albrecht's, and it is not Senator Rebe's amendment. I think, if I'm understanding from the OBGYNs, it does not have exceptions for fetal anomalies, which are just really tragic situations that happen. When you talk about a time limit or a ban regarding a certain number of days, when you talk about gestational, versus fertilization. This is really, in effect, a 10-week ban versus 12-week. This is what the OBGYNs are telling us. It lists some sort of exceptions regarding rape and incest, but it's requiring the doctors to keep written notification in patient's file. It's putting doctors in a position that is not normal, and it is also very problematic when you think of having information in your medical file and what happens with that and the privacy. So there's a lot of problems with 626. Mm -hmm. I know that the OBGYNs are telling us they're very concerned about how it will impact their licensure. And there's even comments about how, again, there's concerns some of it will impact Mm -hmm. and eventually criminalize some of this medical care. Then when you look at 574, it's a totally different subject, right? We want to make sure when we're talking about this that it's very clear it's a ban on health care for transgender children. The same health care is not being banned for cisgender children. I don't know how many cisgender children throughout the state are potentially receiving puberty blockers, but... The number of children who are receiving puberty blockers because their gender-firmity care as being a transgender child is a very small portion. And that's what we're focusing on. Again, I do remind everyone that all of this care is with parental consent. And when you talk about hormones, some of these things are prescribed for other things impacting endometriosis. There's just various reasons that these medicines are prescribed. They're safe for children, for these various needs. And what the legislature is trying to do is to restrict them only for transgender children. And when they talk about surgery, again, those surgeries that include breast reduction or augmentation or things like that for cisgender children, they're not part of this legislation. They're not restricting it. I'm a parent, right? Say I have a teenage daughter who has excess breast tissue and it's affecting their posture, their back, their sports, those types of things, or their confidence, which would be gender affirming, that breast reduction would not be part of this bill. It would be allowed. Wow! Um, So that's the crux of the whole policy in the first place is that it's discrimination. When you get into how it will be applied, this particular amendment has a new wrinkle. Um, instead of the legislature directly indicating how it would work or even if it is all allowed, there's no new level of bureaucracy would be added with the chief medical officer, part of the government with the Department of Health and Human Services. It's very problematic. That chief medical officer was most recently the chair of the state board of health. And was one of the people as the chair who voted on that statement that was very hastily put together on LB 574 a few months ago. That person was someone involved with writing a policy letter that was contrary to the incredible medical societies, not just here in our state, but nationally as well. We're talking about the Nebraska Medical Association, the Nebraska Academy of Pediatrics, the nurses, the psychologists, all of these various medical societies and their national counterpart. The credible organizations are saying that this type of interference between doctors, their patients, and their parents is not good for our state. That Dr. Tesmer is, I think, an ENT, like an ear, nose, and throat person or something. Who very well may be an amazing frozen throat doctor, but we would be putting that person, a political appointee, in charge of this policy. And basically what is amounting to just a different way to ban it. There are a lot of people that look at that um, particular piece of the amendment and they're very concerned about how that would impact this care for these children.
0: That's why it's not only individuals that are coming up against this bill. Businesses are signing on and saying they're against this bill. And the medical community is coming up and saying that they're against this
1: bill. The unicameral is nonpartisan and there are no caucuses, but there are very definitely people who belong to certain parties. So when you look at some of the articles talking about how there had been this group of senators that were part of a compromise, listening, Chairperson Hansen. When I say chair of the HS committee, he brought this amendment on Monday, and it sounds like it was a surprise to everybody. It was not part of that compromise process. And in fact, Senator John Kavanaugh has filed an amendment on LB 574 as well. And this amendment, I haven't really had a chance to look at it or read closely, but it's more along like what I think people are saying the current standard of chair is which still we should be writing into statute, but that's for another day. (laughs) I believe the reasoning for him filing this amendment is that it would be good for the legislature to consider a way to better implement this if they were to pass it. If they're going to pass it, we want it to do the least harm possible. That was, I believe, the reasoning. I haven't talked to him or anything, but I would understand that would be why he would have filed this amendment. Now. The bill is currently on final reading. So to send it back to select file, it has to be based on a specific amendment. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Tuesday. It really is. And I just really encourage you to ask everyone to get in touch with their senator and tell them this is not good policy. Rushing it in this ramshackle way is not helping to give us confidence. That this is being done in a way that will be safe for everybody with our healthcare, and it's just something that we should really ask them to stop, put the brakes on, and not look for closure.
0: Absolutely. So, if you're listening to this, please, if you have not contacted your senator, do so, and please talk to your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers that you feel comfortable having these conversations with, and encourage them to do the same. And like we've talked about before, if you don't feel comfortable having those one-on-one conversations with legislators, you can always call after hours and leave a voicemail or, or email. And as always, I will leave the link in the show notes so you can find your senator in there. And when you reach out to them, it doesn't have to be a big, long thing. It can just simply be, I oppose this bill and why. And if you can personalize your why, great. But don't think too much about it. Just make your voice heard. And as a friendly reminder, again, if you are able to come down to the Capitol on Tuesday, we would love to see you. I plan on being there. I know you'll be there, Sydney, as well. Yeah. So if you're able to get down there as early as possible, hopefully they will stick to the schedule and it will take place in the evening so we can have more people join us that do work those 9 to 5s, myself included. Sydney, as we wrap up this episode, is there any final thoughts? Final words of wisdom for the people.
1: (laughs) I would just say, and you had said something earlier about hope. And one of the things that I really do truly believe that most Nebraskans care for their neighbors. Most Nebraskans do not want their neighbors to be hurt or forced to carry a pregnancy against their will. Or for their neighbors to be worried about their child's health care. And how it would impact that child and the worry that some transgender children without this type of health care have suicidal thoughts. I think most Nebraskans really do have good conscience and big hearts. And so I hope that we will see that in action this next week. I really do. I hope that we can stave this off and we'll, I'm sure, have other disagreement about policies and other types of legislative proposals. But let's just, let's not move forward with this one.
0: Absolutely. And when we come together and use our voices as a unit, the more powerful we can be, the more voices we have, the more bodies involved, the more powerful we can be. And we cannot give up. With that, we'll wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Join the Sarpy County Democrats in their effort to engage and register young voters this summer. You can help by walking with the Sarpy Dems during the Salute to Summer Parade on May 27th at noon. Alternatively, you can sit at our community booth to chat with your neighbors and register voters until 10 p.m. Following these activities, stay for the festivities, which include food trucks, a beer garden, music, fireworks, and so much more. And volunteers will receive a free t-shirt as a token of appreciation. I will leave the link for more info and to sign up in the show notes. Remember to look for the next episodes on this Thursday, May 18th, and Tuesday, May 31st. We can make a difference by working together to build a fairer and more just society for Nebraskans. Staying informed, engaged, and active is key to achieving this goal. Remember, the change starts with you. Let's mobilize, let's take action, let's go.
1: Ready, set, go. Get ready to go.